we shall record and we are ready. So the first order of business is uh, to tell you about uh, the reflection paper, first one, which I will be sending out over the weekend. Um, I don't have a deadline in mind. I want you to tell me what deadline works for you. Um, we can do this as a class. You can do it individually. You have suggestions on when you would like to submit reflection paper one, keeping in mind, I don't know when, when the midterm week is or anything. So I don't have a poll ready, but if uh, you have opinions, uh, just send them on in the chat right now. And then on Slack, um, we can have a poll if there's too much of a divergence. Okay, so we have two popular opinions, which are two weeks or the 13th of October. It is the 1st of October today, by the way. Uh, I don't know how it's October already, but it sounds like fall. And this indeed is the fall semester. We have two votes for two weeks slash 13th October. We have three votes for that. Um, Okay, now it's just the bandwagon effect. Uh, it's funny because I, I would have given three weeks, but if you want two weeks, that's fine. That's what I had in mind. And now Sabi says three weeks, so. Okay, I would have given four weeks. And now we'll have, uh, what is the word limit? There is no limit. If you really want to limit, it's uh, between 200 to 20,000 words. Let's see if that works. Uh, next year, uh, you can submit it next year. Uh, I will not be responsible for what happens if you do no deadline. Uh, I am quite okay with uh, my here has got its spot on. That's what always happens. Uh, I am okay with no deadline. And then you guys will struggle because you'll pile it all up until the last week. And then you have to do three papers in that week. I've tried this before. You guys are terrible at time management. You overestimate your abilities. So uh, I like Mahir's suggestion of two weeks and then you can mail me last minute for extensions. Uh, let's stick with that. Uh, okay. Uh, the second order of business today is, uh, actually it's just the lecture. There is no second order of business today. Uh, I hope you guys did the reading, it's fairly short. Um, I want to start with a summary of what we've done so far uh, with regards to the hook model. Um, how do I do this? So we aren't doing uh, the slides behind me today. Can anyone hazard a guess as to why that might be the case? Uh, it's not that I don't want to do it, it's that we can't do it. You couldn't figure out how to take the photos out? Uh, no, the photos are, uh, they're removable. I was too lazy to do that today. Uh, instead of uh, no slides, well, that too. I was lazy enough not to make slides, but I have a workaround for that. Um, instead of telling you why we can't have a virtual background today, let me just show you why we can't. So, as you know, we have a green screen, which I mean the blue wall behind me. 
Um, it just so happens that I am wearing a blue shirt today. So this is how I look and floating around in the room and I have my arms here. So this is going to be crazy distracting. Uh, and then now my, now my eyes are like that. So yeah, uh, we are limited by the choice of my shirt for today. Uh, I suppose that's technically a technical failure, uh, but that's where we are. You can also have this moving around. So uh, it's like both in a France may guillotine pedalte, and now you have just a head floating around. In Harry Potter, maybe you ghosts ke heads. Uh, so we aren't going to do that today, at least. Uh, it looks cool, and then it gets old real quick. Uh, so anyway, uh, we are going to do the way we're going to do it is that I will share my screen. Unfortunately, I don't like sharing the screen because then it's focused on the screen rather than uh, focus on me. And as I said, I would rather you look at me than you look at the screen. Um, what we are going to do is this. I will have these slides and as I go along, I will start typing into the slides so you know what I'm saying, what I'm doing, where we are. Uh, and so it's going to be a live lecture slide session. So this is what we have for today. Visma is our host for today. Hello, Visma. Um, say hi. Just we have your vocal cords warmed up. <laughs> That's a fantastic <laughs> virtual background. <laughs> you said that the most unexpected thing was someone showing up to your room to host the session. So <laughs> this this counts. Now I'm I'm disturbed. Uh, you could have cropped me out. It's very weird to see my face poking out from behind you. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't figure out how to. I tried. I'll just take a picture. Actually, let me just duck down, and now you can take a screenshot for next time. All right, five, four, three, two, one. There you go. Visma, uh, what color or colors do you like? Purple. I'm not sure. Purple. Good choice. So we will have these slides be purple. Is this the right shade of purple for you? Yeah, no, sort of, I guess. Uh, okay. So that is going to be our slide color for today. Uh, and then maybe we'll have that up on the wall at some point. So I will start by deleting these. It's all purple today. And I will start with a summary of the hook model, which was, I'm not going to like, bullet points it's not allowing me to not make these bullet points and I'm not going to bother with the formatting right now. So the hook model is triggers, action, rewards, and investment. And as a summary of what we've done so far, we have talked about triggers, which can be internal or external. Um, then that leads you to take an action. Uh, then we have the motivation ability opportunity model, which determines whether or not you act on those triggers. Uh, if you do act on a trigger and it rewards you, you are more likely to do that action again. And uh, if the reward is variable, 
then you're even more likely to do it. And a variable reward, actually any sort of reward, if you do it for long enough, you're sort of starting to invest in that app, in that action, because it's rewarding you every time you do that action. And that investment that you've built up over time uh, acts as a trigger for the next time you take an action. So as an example, we've talked about Snapchat multiple times. Uh, your friend sends you a snap and you get a notification. That's an external trigger. If you yourself opened Snapchat, that would be an internal trigger for whatever reason you wanted to open it. Uh, the action you take is to send them a snap back. The reward you get is in addition to the streak that you have. For instance, there's other rewards as well. And the investment is building up that streak. And then that streak's investment leads to having the next loads up the next trigger. What we then introduced was uh, the point of today's reading, which was that rewards can also be social rewards, which are the best types of rewards because we all want to know what people think of us. Uh, we all want to um, you know, know how we're evaluated in the rest of the world, by the rest of the world. And so social feedback as a reward, we also talked about feedback, I missed that here, but social feedback in particular is uh, potent in trying to get us to be hooked into that model or that action. Um, and then if you combine variable rewards with social feedback and have variable social feedback as a reward, uh, I'm combining two concepts together here. Uh, that's the, the, the gold mine for product designers. And that's exactly what happens in platforms like Facebook and Instagram, where you post something, sometimes you get a reward, other times you don't. That reward tends to be social. And so it's variable and social and it's feedback uh, and it's instant feedback. So, you know, it keeps you coming back. Um, so for today's reading, I want thoughts, opinions on what we learned from today. Uh, and then I'll continue on to where we're going with that. It's kind of on the same topic that I've just explained, um, but go for it. Which is a big if I, I realize we're in the third week of the semester and we don't have time for readings, but uh, Mahi, go ahead. Okay, so the one thing that really, I think, clicked was the fact, um, you know how they, they summed it up on the thing that loners aren't the best people and everyone likes to belong to a group. And mm -hmm. in this whole scenario of, you know, um, having similar opinions with people will help you become part of, become accepted and like, you know, in an idea of this group socially mm -hmm. that's existed virtually. So that right. one thing I learned through the the ending part that I liked. Mm -hmm. Abir says sense of belonging. Basma, go ahead. Um, so the reading basically showed in a real life example of two concepts, the self-worth issue that people have and the negativity bias. And you can see that like how Instagram rose to popularity, how hot or not became like a huge thing. So it, it was kind of, especially the hot or not one, I didn't know that. So it was kind of nice to see how it actually became, it was such, like, if you think about it in theory, it's such a dark thing that, you know, why are you reading people like out of one to 10? 
but mm-hmm. it works and it's like a thing that you do subconsciously yourself so now you're just able to vocalize that kind of in an anonymous way which makes it safer for you to go about that hmm. uh zainab said consistent feedback as a source of validation uh consistently positive feedback as well might i add uh and sharzada says uh, variable social feedback uh and it did, that's very interesting that it did not pretend to be anything other than what it was uh which was rating people's physical attributes uh and uh it sort of brings me to the point of how we measure our self worth uh, how do we know what we're worth what people think of us now uh i think in slack we also touched upon that was it khatija who brought that up normally people don't go around telling other people what they think of you um you have to ask for it or it's a few close friends who give you compliments or give you like who you have that relationship with uh, that they're comfortable giving you that sort of feedback but normally you don't have 100 people a day telling you that they like what you're doing or what you said or how great it is that you have that new job or you graduated or stuff like that um and so in the absence of other types of feedback this is the type of feedback we get and so that's where we turn to whenever we need uh validation uh and so that sort of develops into a loop on its own uh, if you have a certain type of post that you are rewarded with then you're more likely to engage in that behavior and more likely to have that sort of uh, post as well and that brings me to a very uh, thought provoking question and think about this for a minute uh if i know that each time i post such and such type of photo on instagram or have such and such tweet and i know that i will be rewarded for it by lots of likes and validation and i know that other people know that when they also post something like that again as an example with instagram dslr said this week it you you're on a vacation you're wearing your best dress you had a new haircut and uh, you know you're looking good and you post it are we converging towards a common human thought and let me explain that uh and i'd like your opinions on that um if i know that if i say if i post something on twitter and it will be well received and other people know ke ha maybe ye post karunga to i i'll get a good reception and so everyone knows that there are certain rules if you follow those rules you will get that validation so if they all follow those rules are we moving towards a single commonality of human thought okay everyone thinks the same thing says the same thing posts the same thing because that's what's getting rewards and many times you don't necessarily have an opinion of your own uh on every single topic so you pick up cues on what is the appropriate thing to say based on what other people are saying asn Yes I definitely do think there is a homogenization at work but also with social media new stuff gets more attention so if you're you know putting out the same content all the time that everybody is used to you won't get as more likes whereas if you introduce something novel in your pictures with the existing template that's like you could be rewarded more Mhm Nisma I wouldn't hear if Essen clearly so I don't know if you repeated this point but I just wanted to point out optimal distinctiveness like I think this is where that concept comes in that we 
want to belong but at the same time not entirely and like have our own unique point and mm-hmm. that in itself like belonging but with our own unique point is what is going to make us belong more mm-hmm. right and that that is similar to what essence said uh, which is that if you post the exact same thing as someone else it's not going to get the same response if you post something that's too divergent from the common way of thinking that's also not going to get a good response but if you follow that template and there's like you said an optimal amount of distinctiveness uh it's a variation of the same thought the same uh post the same way of thinking and that's what gets you like so if i have an opinion on a political party uh for instance saying that such and such party is bad donald trump bad uh, is not going to get me as much of a response as if uh i and as if i post the same thing but with a meme that i made it's the same thought but it's presented in a different format for people to enjoy and agree with what they already believe in um and that's where confirmation bias comes in as well uh now the other thing with that is negativity bias when it comes to feedback i say that most feedback on social media is positive there's also negative feedback uh, sometimes and people tend to pay more attention to that so uh, if you know that you're going to get positive feedback and then there's one comment out of 100 that isn't according to your expectations uh uspe you know you get stuck on that you get hung up on isne mere bare mein aisa kyun kaha or why did he or she note such and such thing about my picture and that way is heavy so if if the point is to get positive validation and you get hundreds of positive pieces of validation and then you have one piece of negative feedback which is always a risk would you take that risk you know the reward is 100 likes the risk is one bad comment that you're going to remember for the rest of your life usne mere naak ke bare mein ye kaha tha ya usne you know mere baalon ke bare mein aisa kaha tha ya aisa socha tha and as i said i uh would like you guys to weigh in on it um so think about the risk versus reward of posting online and i would guess that the rewards outweigh the risks because otherwise people wouldn't be posting online i'm reading the chat as well uh hafsa says uh after a while same thing everyone would become point zero and then again people would be striving and aspiring to stand out it's it's a constant process i think hafsa uh there's a new thing in town everybody jumps on it and then after a while it's the old thing and now we move on to the next new thing i'd like to take a few comments on what we have been talking about so far and ideally those comments should be about you or about why you do the things you do rather than why people do the things that they do and i can play waiting music while we're at it and i rephrase my question uh good point because i sort of bundled in several questions in that segment my question is uh one as as we talked about before is there a convergence of human thought onto a commonly established point of view 
And the second, uh, you can choose to answer either, is why do we post the way that we do if we know the results are expected, which is positive feedback, and that when they're not expected, which is negative feedback, you're going to, you know, go to Vega. And so, you know, it's a risk versus reward situation. I realize that's not entirely clear as well. Uh, but just uh, whatever comes to your mind, I think we're in the right, they're going in the right direction with these things. Constant need of validation. Yes, where did that constant need of validation come from? Was it always like this, Khatija, or was it Mahi who raised that point? Uh, that need for validation pehlevithi. So why does social media get flack for the whole, oh, it's validation, validation o'clock, as it were. Evolutionary purposes. Uh, it's uh, yeah, part of being in a group. Um, actually, let me introduce another concept here. Or do I want to introduce it here? Let's hold on it. Social media makes it worse. The need for validation has always been there, but on social media, you're getting it always, all the time, every day, every second, immediately, uh, and uh, you know, predictably. And so, um, what does it mean to get that sort of feedback? Uh, is it meaningful feedback if you know what's going to happen? Um, because I personally think there's a certain lack of genuineness because you can't tell one like from the other. If you have a hundred likes, they're all a hundred likes, or you know, some of them are hearts instead of likes. So there's some sort of valence there. Um, but is there like, there's a difference between complimenting someone in person or sending them a message where you've written out your thoughts or just pressing the like button. They're both validation, but one is better than the other, presumably. But we don't get that sort of validation very often because social media makes it easier or frictionless to press the button rather than to type a comment. And that's where design comes in. Um, what if the, instead of double tapping on Instagram brought up a heart, what if double tapping brought up a comment box where you could type that's a decision someone made somewhere in the process that we're going to prioritize uh, favoriting or hearting or liking over commenting. And when they do, uh, such as on LinkedIn, when they do prioritize commenting, it's uh, canned messages. Congrats on the new job. Congrats on your new role. Well done. They're all written there for you, making them essentially another button tap for you again bringing me back to the point of convergence of human thought. If you've ever written an email to me, to an instructor, to anyone, and you sort of start to know what I mean with convergence of thought. They all start with the same thing. Dear sir, hope you are well. Uh, kind regard, looking forward to hearing from you. Kind regards. It's the same drivel over and over and over again that we've learned from other people. And we just repeat it because that's what everyone else is doing. And there's a lack of genuineness with email in particular, because we're all following rules and norms. Uh, but then that happens in uh, other forms of social media as well. 
So the comments you get on WhatsApp are going to be different from the ones you get on uh, Instagram, for instance, purely because again, the medium is the message. WhatsApp is designed for chat messages. Instagram is not. Snapchat is definitely not. And Facebook falls somewhere in the middle where groups are designed for chats, but the feed necess isn't necessarily designed for that. Um, I will pause here and uh, I will read the messages and uh, consider this a three minute break, not a formal break. Uh, and then I'll introduce, actually, do you guys want to take a break right now? Three minutes, four minutes, check your social media. Yeah, you have notifications pending. Uh, okay, we will stop here. And uh, I, I did say that I would try to do 20 minute blocks instead of just one break in the middle. So this is the first of those breaks. Uh, let's take three minutes and play. Uh, what do we have here? I'll display it and then you guys can decide if it's good and ask Visma about it. Okay. Uh, 10 seconds of mystery. Okay. You didn't before. Did you have them uh, at the start of this semester? Uh, two weeks ago, three weeks ago? Okay. You could have answered either way and I, I wouldn't have remembered, uh, which is an example of the spotlight effect, by the way. Uh, so we probably thought that I've gotten glasses. Everyone will notice that I've got glasses, but people are too fixated on their own uh, picture. <laughs> also uh, on my screen right now, you guys can't see it, but um, uh, Zoom has placed Visma and me together. And so Visma is a literal mirror image of me. There's, I can see my door here and the exact same door here as well. And all my posters are mirrored as well. I will take a screenshot of that and I shall post it just so you know how ridiculous it looks, but I like it. Uh, I've posted it on Slack. This is the best thing I've seen happen on Zoom. Well done, Bisma. Solid choice of background. Anyway, we are going to, hold on. Yeah, we, I had a couple of like messages I wanted to talk about in the chat. Uh, one was, who was it? I think uh, Hafsa, who said that we fear that other people can see those bitter comments about us as well. And they're going to start thinking about us that way when we're positive or neutral to begin with, which is very interesting because most people do have very neutral feelings about most things. And you see something negative that it's, uh, uh, we haven't done that bias yet, but it's called the anchoring bias where you have one negative piece of information and then all subsequent pieces of information are perceived to be negative. The halo effect is sort of like that as well. Um, okay. Now we go on to a, something a little new, but very related, which is the social comparison theory uh, directly linked to the reading that we had. Social comparison theory, kya hai? Um, Ek uncle the Leon Festinger ke naam se, uh, which always reminds me of oh, Adam's family wale uncle Fester, uh, Festinger, Fester. And um, basically in the 1950s or 60s, 
ही सेड कि मैं बताता हूँ कि लोग क्यों कंपेयर करते हैं मेरी बात सुनो सो ही केम अप विद द सोशल कंपैरिजन थ्योरी उसमें काफी चीजें थी देर इज लाइक एट और नाइन थिंग्स ही सेड बट वी डोंट हैव टाइम फॉर बोरिंग एकेडेमिक्स हु you know just go on and on and on and on so we are going to summarize that in two or three points to jo uncle fistinger hai wo kehte hain ki humans are driven by a need for evaluation or self evaluation uh, let's put it that way we want to know where we stand in most cases like if you were to buy a new phone or a laptop or a car or a house there are very objective criteria for one thing being better than the other its processor is the tezer so it's better in that aspect ye do kanal ka ghar hai so it's larger than ek kanal ka ghar with humans we don't have the luxury of objective measures sometimes we do they're not always accurate but uh, someone gets an 85% in this class and someone else gets a 50% we make the somewhat false judgment ke Uh, the 85% wala has more knowledge about the psychology of technology the internet and social media mind the app psychology 313 then the person who had 55% it's not necessarily accurate but we you know we have an objective measure for it but for most things in life we don't have objective measures and a lot of it is very subjective is one person more compassionate than the other is one person more attractive than the other is one person smarter than the other is one person ruder than the other there is no objective criteria for it and we can build some criteria but mostly we don't have that criteria and so we start to look at other people to get that evaluation where do i stand in society let me look at other people and compare myself to them and um, you know say okay, okay i am i run faster than such and such friend so i am faster than them so i look to the people around me to compare myself uh, with again the idea being to get an accurate self evaluation of who i am and how good i am and where i stand so that's point number 1 with uncle fester's social comparison theory phir wo kehte hain um that there's two types of social comparison upward social comparison and i don't think you need to tell me what the other type of social comparison would be if i tell you that the first one is upward social comparison drum roll it's called leftward social comparison very good hafsa no it's called downward social comparison mujhe lagta hai main class 2 ke bachcho ko padha raha hu up ka opposite kya hai down left ka kya hai right um right so oh uh, by the way someone told me that i'm telling my students that i have a daughter i do not have a daughter that's my niece that was in the video last time so just uh, just to clarify uh if i had a daughter there would be a lot more videos because i'd be recording all the time with her uh interactions with social media i am not a parent uh Okay, so we have upward and downward social comparisons. Does anybody want to guess what they are? It's in the name, but I'll let you hazard a guess. As in, as upward social comparison, if we look at people 
You're going to have to move your mic closer to your mouth. We can, but it's very, uh, it's slightly better. What about now? Uh, much better. I'll just speak louder. Always yeah, a good so idea. Awkward social comparison is when you look at people above you in the hierarchy and how you can mm-hmm. get there. Whereas downward social comparison is below you and how you're kind of reassuring yourself of your existing uh, position in the ladder. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and uh, in the chat, Hafsa is saying somewhat the same thing. Uh, Menhel is also saying the same thing, more or less. It's uh, basically the amalgamation of what everyone is saying. Upward social comparisons are when you're looking upwards at uh, people who are above you in the social hierarchy on whatever trait. So um, if I want to compare my speed, for instance, I I like running uh, and I want to be like Usain Bolt. That's an upward social comparison for me. I want to be as fast as him. Um, but if I wanted to have a downward social comparison, I would choose my fat friend, Junaid, who runs, uh, slower than me. Sorry, Junaid, he's not here. He's not listening. He'll never listen. Uh, but, uh, it's the first example that came to mind. Um, so when we are looking at, uh, people above us in the social hierarchy, I say social hierarchy, uh, but again, it, it could be on any trait. Uh, and so there's two types, upward and downward. Uh, and then let's add in another thing to the mix, which is that you have, uh, do I want to bring that up here? Uh, no, not yet. Okay, so that's the first thing. That's the second thing. The first is we try to get an accurate self-evaluation of ourselves. The second is that in order to do that, we make social comparisons. The third is that we have upward and downward social comparisons. And then the next part of Uncle Festinger's theory is that uh, we are more likely to make uh, comparisons with those who are uh, closer to us in the social hierarchy than those who are farther apart or those who have lesser social distance. The meaning of the term social distance has changed in the last few months. Uh, But what I mean by social distance here is social distance in the hierarchy. For example, uh, comparing myself to Usain Bolt is a huge social distance. There's a lot of gap between my abilities and his abilities. But comparing myself to um, I don't know, Essen, for instance, is a much closer social distance than Usain Bolt. So I am more likely to compare myself with Essen as a peer than to someone like Usain Bolt um, because he's closer to me in, in ability than him. Uh, and so the same with you. If you are comparing yourself to your batchmates, you are doing so because you think that there's similarities there. You are the same age. You have the same background in in terms of education because you're all in lums uh, you're from the same major roughly from the same social class you know you're the same country all of these things align and so you're more likely to compare yourself with them uh, than others um again as an example uh, 
you know, when we talk about something that's very uh, sensitive in terms of how we look, we are more likely to compare ourselves with other friends who are more attractive than to compare ourselves with why don't I look like Angelina Jolie, for instance, because that's a huge social distance that is um, that makes that comparison void uh, compared to you know people who are closer to you. Uh, Minhal asks, uh, what happens after we compare? Is it negative or positive? That's the whole point. We don't control it and we can't predict it. And so the point of introducing this is social comparisons on social media, which introduces us to a whole host of other people that seem like they're closer to us in social distance, but really they aren't. Um, so 50 years ago, the only people you could compare yourself with were the people who were uh, surrounding you physically in person. Uh, maybe people you see on the screen, but you know, generally uh, you're limited to a certain place, a location. Uh, you have 10, 15, 20, 30 people around you and that's your total set for comparing yourself against others. Now with social media, you're comparing yourself to everyone all the time across the world uh, and it seems like they are similar to you uh, because of some common characteristics, but really they aren't. And so what social media is doing is giving us this whole host of insecurities because on Instagram, it's upward social comparisons all the time. Uh, there's rarely someone or a post that you see that makes you go, huh, uh, it's always, oh, wow, this person is doing this amazing thing or they look great and that's an upward comparison. And that makes you feel more insecure about what you're doing. Um, LinkedIn is a great propagator of that. Everyone on LinkedIn is trying to show that I don't know, Amazon is CEO and everything. Uh, and you know the idea is to portray that image in order to get the right job. But again, it makes you feel like you've done nothing. Whereas the truth is that you've probably done sort of the same thing or probably better things than what they've done. It's just that they've portrayed it uh, in a better way. Uh, LinkedIn gives Ali anxiety. Um, yep. And so uh, here's the thing, when this happens on Instagram or Facebook, this is the link that's happening. You open it, you come there for positive feedback. Uh, you get your positive feedback after that, you're scrolling through your newsfeed, the comparisons start, whether you like it or not, it's subconsciously happening. Most of them are upward comparisons about what other people are doing with their lives and how it's also great. And so you're getting, you know, you're lowering your own self-esteem. It makes you feel incompetent. And that's where ads come in. Because on Instagram, you have ads and then those ads sell you things that make you feel that if I get such and such thing, uh, such and such beauty cream or gadget or whatever, then I too might increase or decrease the distance between this person that I just saw is doing much better than me uh, and myself. So social media is a particularly uh, potent, you know, advertising platform precisely because most of the time when you're using it, there are some insecurities bubbling there in, inside you compared to if you were just going out 
to a shop and just shopping mindlessly. There is no social comparisons to be made in a grocery store as much as there are on Instagram. Um, so that is Uncle Fistinger's theory, that upward and downward. Hai. And then one last thing that he talks about, actually he doesn't talk about it as much. It's not part of his theory, but he mentions it, which is that there are selves, multiple selves, which means that there is a true self and an ideal self. Uh, now it's very hard to explain what I mean by self uh, because it's, uh, I don't know, does anyone want to uh, take a guess at what we mean by true self and ideal self? Again, it's in the name, but it's very hard to put words to these concepts. Uh, which I should be doing as a teacher, but uh, it's better to explain with examples. Go for it. Uh, and I shall read the comments in the meanwhile. What is a true self and a ideal self? Uh, Essen said that he has a twin brother and uh, he makes comparisons with him. And again, that's, uh, you know, you know most of what he, like his background. So there's minimum social distance. Uh, one of the things I forgot to mention that on online, on Instagram, you don't see the negative side, the downside of things. You don't see what people had to do to get to where they were. You don't see how they're suffering elsewhere. Uh, and so you assume that their life is perfect. Whereas if you know someone in person, like Essa knows his brother, then you know, you're know you not all that impressed or affected by their achievements or because you know that they got to where they were because of such and such thing, or they also have these other things going on in their lives, which makes it not so great. Um, and also has four siblings. At Tazaz, you briefly raised your hand. I don't know if you so want I, to. I, I was a little doubtful, but I'll just mm -hmm. ask it. So the true self mm -hmm. could be the self that we are in our private times and the ideal self is the, the what society wants us wants us to be and the self is mm -hmm. the when ourself in those between those both extremes. Right. Uh, I should clarify your heading T. So like there is a self, like there's a true self and an ideal self. So this isn't a separate third thing, uh, but uh, Close, very close. Uh, Hafsa is even closer. True self is what you are. Ideal self is what you want to become. Uh, so, id, ego, super, ego, but yeah, most of the people in the chat are saying the same thing. Uh, true self is who you are, actually, uh, which is a big question on its own. Who am I? Hum kaun hai? what is our true self and if you remove the social context then do we really know who we are because our sense of self is determined by other people who tell us what they like about us and what they don't and the ideal self is what you want to be uh, the closer your true self is to your ideal self the less internal struggle you have uh, less anxiety one, one source of anxiety because you're close to where you want to be and the larger this distance is the more you feel like you're falling behind and you need to catch up. Uh, less cognitive dissonance, yes, Abhi. Um, 
There's also a third that I'm not going to uh, write down here, but it's the projected self, which is what Etazaz is getting into. Uh, projected self is what you show other people, uh, the, the side you show other people of what you are. So there is a true self, which is what I actually am. There's a projected self, which is what we have on Instagram. I'm rich and famous and successful, and I have my shit together. And my ideal self, which is where I want to be. Uh, but we are going to stick with true and ideal. So to summarize uh, the whole uh, theory, uh, we have a need for self-evaluation. Uh, we want to know where we stand in society. And when we don't have objective measures, we go for subjective measures. Usme upward and downward social comparisons uh, where we're judging ourselves against people above us and below us. Most of the time it's upwards. Social media enhances that upward direction. And we're more likely to compare ourselves against people who have a smaller, similar social distance to us. And then uh, there's a true self and an ideal self. And uh, when we're comparing ourselves to others, uh, this sort of like factors into, it sort of stretches when we're doing upward social comparisons, the ideal self stretches uh, farther and farther away from your true self. So if you are on LinkedIn, maybe your ambition was Kimane, uh, I don't know, grad school karna hai, King's College se. And then on LinkedIn, your friend posts that they just completed their PhD from Harvard. So now your ideal self jumps to, well, if he can do that, then I should also be able to do it. And now uh, that bar has been raised. So one last thing about this is uh, that there are studies that show that upward comparisons happen more often in women. And women also have higher ideals, which are perpetuated by your typical dose of advertising and media and airbrushed women and makeup and all of those things. Uh, so it really is like a major source of anxiety and depression, especially for women. Uh, that's not to say men don't make upward comparisons. It's just that women tend to make them more than men. And that's because the ideal, the bar for being a quote unquote ideal woman is higher than what you would expect for men. Um, and again, on Instagram, I think there's more female users than male users. And uh, so, you know, that sort of perpetuates that as well. Um, we are going to take another three minute break. And uh, yeah. Actually, let's just do like two or three minutes. Uh, let me play music, but I am still here. Uh, let's just clear our minds for a bit. And we have, what do we have? I'm 
Okay, that uh, was very conveniently three minutes long. Thank you, Vishma. Uh, does the two-break format work better than the one-break format? Moid uh, is on the whole thing. Yes, better. Uh, well, remind me to do more breaks in the middle then. Uh, I like that, uh, like Moid and Visma and I are clumped together on Zoom again. I I wonder how they figured out that uh, Okay, two breaks is definitely better. Oh, and Lela has it on as well. And again, coincidentally, all four of us are in the same corner. Uh, Minha's green screen doesn't work as well, but I think you can drag videos around though. So. Uh, feel free to take all the screenshots you want from like moving people around. Uh, oh, we are recording good. Well, this is fun. Uh, all right. The last thing that we have for today, um, actually not the last, the last thing I have for today and then Visma has something else for us is a, a slightly different topic. Uh, we're sort of done with the first part of the course, and this is sort of like a, a random topic that didn't fit in anywhere, so I'm introducing it here, uh, and that is the topic of gamification. Uh, for the CS majors out there, or someone else who knows, what is gamification? engagement tactic. What is an engagement tactic? Um, because the traditional methods can just be zoned out really easily. So if you use the gamification mode, then it's probably going to be a bit more lasting. Like Nike app has gotten famous just because of like they let you like, track goals and like keep like personal records and beat mm -hmm. other people. So they've made mm -hmm. like the brand and all as like a whole game of how you can go about it. Okay. I'll have you pause there. And that's an example of 
the curse of knowledge because you are starting this example by assuming that people already know what gamification is and giving examples but you have to go back a bit to explain what it is and there are people in chat where when you combine those comments you're sort of getting their use of game like elements interactive elements to attract and addict people like leaderboards increasing engagement or competition um yeah so the idea with gamification is that you add game like elements i am going to borrow kisne ka tha khatija ne kaha tha that uh, you have add game like elements to places or apps or products where there is no need for such elements uh so obviously in a game in an actual video game you want uh it to function like a game but for things like learning pedagogy kisi ne kaha tha ali ne kaha tha uh you know you add so what are the elements of a video game there's points there's tasks that you do when you complete those tasks you get points uh you get a certain number of points you move up a level uh and that sort of starting to to build an investment snap streaks are like games it's an example of gamification where there was no need for sending people a snap and then you get a fire emoji and one point or i think there's actual points or snap scores in snapchat as well um but when you quantify things when you add points to things like these uh you're trying to in- increase engagement by having people coming back to get more points and get the rewards that are associated with those points uh let me share my phone screen uh, as an example i don't know uh how well this will work cuz i have like two of these here i guess it works uh yeah yeah okay so this is the apple watch app and they've sort of gamified um exercise yeah that's the word um and they've done that by making it all well game like you can see that there's bright shiny colors there's a target that it wants me to reach um and uh, you know there's again points eh? uh, by points i mean all of these quantitative things which should never be quantified like how many hours i stand uh, is never something that you normally look at uh when you're quantifying things but they've quantified it they've gamified it and so it gives me targets each day it tracks my progress and it tells me how far i am um uh, shahzade's mom has high step count yeah uh, there's research on that shows that step counts don't really count for much which is why apple uh, watch based step counts niche ja ke aati it's not the primary goal they've done calories instead of step counts um and so you sort of track that progress you build up progress over time uh, so it shows you where you are and how you've done and then it gives you like tiny little rewards like where do i get rewards so uh, so there's trends again nice notice the colors the nice shiny colors and then these shields that i get uh, here's an it's absolutely pointless you know uh, it's a nice thing and then you know you flip it around and it moves and i earned this award for working out for 11 minutes or more on veterans day it's uh, completely you know there's no reason for this to be quantified or for me to get an award for this um but it like motivates people to work out 
and gamification can be a good thing uh, for those who aren't motivated. Once you are hooked into this model, you've invested in it, then you want to maintain your streaks. Um, and, and so, you know, you start, sort of start to get into uh, that. Uh, Minul says his pointless skills are part of every game. That's the thing. People get invested in the pointless of things. If you have snap streaks, those are equally pointless, but here we are. Uh, so, you know, the whole idea is motivating people by giving these tiny rewards that don't really mean much. Uh, here's another example, a very famous example. This is an app called Duolingo, which helps you uh, learn new languages. And again, it's Gamify. You can see I have a progress bar, Uper. Uh, I get 14 XP for completing this. Uh, I have lives, I get hearts. Uh, if I use up all of my lives, uh, then I have to wait. Uh, again, this is introducing uh, the concept of games, points, shields, progress uh, in order to motivate people to do something. Uh, and I give you an example where it could be used for good, which is learning a language or getting fitter. Uh, but then people go on the other extreme, which is maybe they, instead of listening to their body, they're listening to the app. And so uh, there is a risk of injury, of over-exercising. And then gamification in things like uh, Snapchat and Instagram, where you know, you're focused on a number that doesn't really mean much. Uh, variable rewards are there as well. Um, I want to show you a quick a clip. Uh, can I do that? Yes, I can. Um, which talks about games. This is from a documentary on the top 50 video games of all time. Um, that's called How Video Games Change the World. Uh, and basically like for the first hour and a half, he's, uh, see now I didn't share my audio. So I have to do this all over again. It's stupid, stupid app. Uh, and so, um, for the first hour and a half, he talks about games like Super Mario and Tetris and Donkey Kong and all these iconic games. And then, uh, you know, what is the number one game in history is this is what he has to say about it. thing we've seen throughout this show is that gaming never stands still. And sure enough, a new generation of hardware has just arrived, bringing with it a fresh set of capabilities, which is going to overturn everything that went before. As their slick promo material makes clear, the new PlayStation 4 and Xbox One are both more powerful than their predecessors, but perhaps the biggest clue to gaming's future is their marked new emphasis on integrated social networking features. Now, why would game systems want to include social networking? Unless maybe social networking already functions like a game. Twitter is a massively multiplayer online game in which you choose an interesting avatar and then roleplay a persona loosely based on your own, attempting to accrue followers by repeatedly pressing lettered buttons to form interesting sentences. The biggest way in which video games have affected our world for me is the increasing gamification of real life. Stuff like Twitter is a game. It's about you know small achievements adding up to bigger ones, and it's about playing the rules of whatever you're in. 
Gamification means applying the mechanics of video games to real life. Now, often this boils down to incentivizing people to perform the same action over and over again. Each time Mario headbutts a block, he gets a coin. When he gets 100 coins, he gets an extra life. And these perpetual little pats on the head compel you to bash those blocks for hours. By supplying a constant stream of fun-sized rewards, social networking has by accident gamified whole aspects of our lives. Every second, another little gold coin for you to collect. More followers, more retweets, compelling you to interact over and over again. These are games we don't even realise we're playing. Every day you have a drama and you have everyone sort of piling in to be the one to talk about, to be the one who gets retweeted. It has become kind of a game that I find myself gauging when I do a tweet how popular the tweet's going to be and I try to guess ahead of time, like how many retweets is that going to get and how many favourites is that going to get. In terms of the competition, um, especially between like celebrities or people with the verification tick. Every time I see someone or every time someone's talking about someone, they're talking about how many, oh, I've got 50,000, I've got a million followers, I've got this. Um, and it kind of very much reminded me of a lot of games like that. It was always about how many points you got and it ups your profile, it makes you feel like you're doing something in your life. What I do on Twitter a lot is just project a false persona. And it's like that avatar thing, you know what I mean? It's like World of Warcraft or anything like that. The way I am on Twitter is nothing like the way I am in real life. That feels like a game sometimes, you know what I mean? If you're a sociopath, it feels like a game. Hmm. I let you think about that for a few seconds. Uh, uh, Twitter changed its logo multiple times, and Hafsa, uh, I was trying to learn Spanish years and years and years ago. I mean, download Kiti per se, just to demonstrate uh, the concept. Uh, speaking of games, Bisma, you have something for us. So since uh, this was supposed to be kind of like a checkup session, I made a Jeopardy game for the class and everything that's been covered so far. So Claire, are you sharing your screen? Uh, you can share yours if you want. Okay, let me just start it. 